Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So this morning, we're going to start a new series. I really like to uh, teach different series focuses. What are you doing back to Brett? He's like, I didn't do anything. So we're going to focus on uh, faith and family, faith, on, faith in marriage. We're going to talk about finances. We're going to talk about the attack of social media, social things that really are, attack our families. It's going to be a practical family-focused series. So in, in some of these concepts, I asked, what, man, what would be the most important? Okay, so we're going to start from the top. Today we're really going to focus on uh, God's marriage plan, the, the, uh, the ultimate uh, heart that God has in regards towards marriage, what that looks like, that God's ultimate plan was mar- the marriage concept. You know, and we're just, if you don't know, we're in a culture and a society that is thinking differently than they ever have. You know, uh, year, you know, 50 years ago, the Bible was the standard for all the guide and, the, and what the rules, the regulations, what God's standard was. Today, uh, a lot of people are throwing and discarding the Word of God for the sake of whatever is convenient or whatever your preference or whatever you prefer. So we're going to take all of these focuses from a biblical model, and it's going to be practical concepts that I really believe are going to be impactful because at the beginning of the year, Becky and I talked about our ultimate goal for the year was to focus on foundation, family, and fellowship. Those were the three things that we were talking about really focusing on this year. So, so we've, we covered foundation when we covered all the basic Christian doctrines. Okay, if you, don't, if you didn't hear all of them or you missed some, just know that we have a podcast available. You can go back and listen to any of those messages that you may have missed. But that was the foundation, the basic elementary principles of the Christian faith. So now we're going to focus in this next series for a little while on, on, uh, on faith and family. Okay? So we, we covered uh, foundation, and now for these next few weeks, I'm not going to necessarily say four weeks, five weeks. We're just going to open it up and see where God takes it, okay? Because there's some specific ones, but I know that, man, there's, there's tons of them. We live in a family, and there's a lot of concepts and uh, things that really could be helpful and beneficial. So uh, some of these topics that we're going to look at, they're going to be practically uh, focused, and they're going to really be focused on, on, I feel like, the important parts of your life. Now, if we really dig in and we look at all of the issues we have in life, we've got a messed up life sometimes with all of the drama, but we're going to focus it on the pillars of the family. Okay? So we're going to focus on family, and, and all of the other matters are going to stem out from there, okay? So we're going to focus on, you know, where a family begins when two individuals decide that they cannot live life without each other and are willing to commit each a, to each other for the rest of their lives. Okay, we have to understand that marriage is part of God's design for a man and a woman. Okay, let me just put that out there. It's very specific all through Scripture. And if you, if you understand what the, the challenge this morning of what the world says versus what the Word of God says. I, I'm going to preach from a biblical standpoint. That's all I can do, okay? So between one man and one woman. Now, there's been a lot of exceptions lately in culture and in society as far as what's allowed and what's not allowed. So if we go all the way back, God created Adam and Eve. He created them husband and wife. He created them male and female. 
Okay, there were two different genders. There was male, there was female. He created them husband and wife, and he put them together. So in Matthew 19, 4 through 9, it talks about that, uh, haven't you read, he replies, he, he says that, in the be that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so they will no longer be two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Okay, so we have to understand that there's, con there's this concept of two people coming together through the act of marriage, something that, God, that is not just marriage, but it's something that God is symbolically and intentionally meshing the two together, where you had two and now you have one, something that's completely inseparable. Okay? So God, God established marriage as a covenant union between one man and one woman. We see through the Bible, you know, uh, there, was, there was guys that had multiple wives, concubines, all these, all, all kinds of stuff, right? But, uh, you know, it talks about in, in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, God's ultimate ideal plan is one spouse. Now, I don't know how you could put up with more than one wife <laughs> and be okay. It's hard enough pleasing one. Just saying, right? You know, you think about it. You know, all the trouble us guys have sometimes trying to figure out one, much less trying to figure out a handful of them, okay? So we have to understand, you know, that, uh, that God really orchestrated marriage. So for all you young ones who aren't married or single, please don't check out because some of these things that I'm talking about, they're going to help you in the future, okay? We want to make sure that you have a good understanding as far as what the Bible says and what God says and that in His perfect timing, may God provide according to His will whoever He has for you. Okay? Super important. And it's really important to marry the right person, not just anybody. Okay? So don't check out on me. So if we look at John 4, 16 through 19. Give me a second to turn there. John 4, 16 through 19. So this is talking about the woman at the well. So Jesus is at the well and the, and the woman comes. And we're just going to look at this passage starting in verse 16 and we'll look through 19. It says, And he told her, Go call your husband and come back. And, and she replies, she says, I have no husband, she replied. So Jesus said, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Okay? So I was reading some commentary on this. You know, so when she changes, the, she, one of two things happened. She knew that she was in sin. And therefore, she was asking about worship because she knew that there would be penance required for her sin in that culture. Because the next question that comes up is, hey, how are we to worship? That's the first, you know, theological way that they said it. The other thing is, she's in a bad spot and she wanted to change the subject. I don't want to talk about that. So we have to understand that God, Jesus at that moment, He was, he, he was really speaking in a prophetic way, addressing that woman's life. Okay, so it said that, you know, the last five weren't yours. So we have to understand that sexual intimacy is when God calls you one. Okay, but marriage is when the world calls you one. So we got to separate the two. Most people think, well, you become one in this union when you when you 
when you're married. But how God sees one is when, when sexual intimacy happens. The two who are separated become one. And then we read in that passage, once, once they've been connected, let no man separate it. This is a strong tying union that God has orchestrated. So what we see what happens when there's sexual intimacy that happens outside of marriage, there's, sometimes, there's, there's almost always consequences for that. Now, you might get lucky and say, well, at least I married the one that I did it out of line with. But it still doesn't nullify the truth of God's word under the conditions of marriage that that's the ideal situation, right? We get married first. It's not just try it out and see if you like it and then decide. I know we're in a weird, weird culture. That's how it is. It's like, well, how do I know if I'm going to love that person the rest of my life unless I do this, this, and this? Well, just hear God on it. Because when you go through that, that process of sexual intimacy and sharing a part of your heart, you know, and a lot, a lot of these things where you connect with somebody, that is immediately going to blind you as to the truth of how, that, how you really see that person. You're going to put on those love goggles and now you're going to see that person in a completely distorted light. You guys remember the good old days when you were blinded by love and it didn't matter, you didn't need to eat, you didn't need to sleep, and you were driven by love. And everybody that's been married five or plus years says, oh, wish it was that easy now. <laughs> because there was a shift that changed, right? Because we got to understand that the enemy is attacking marriages. He's attacking the, the process of marriage. And when he attacks marriages, he attacks, attacks families. If he can destroy the family, he can destroy the children. And this will, this, will, this will continue to flow from generation to generation if we don't get it right. Now, when you look at the statistics, the, the church is just as messed up as the world. So don't be pointing and saying, oh, it's all those guys out there, because the church has just as many issues as far as sex before marriage. Okay? And it, it's, it's something that sometimes we don't want to talk about, but it's a super important thing that we need to talk about, and we need to make sure we address it. Okay? So if we look at this story... You know, what, what, you know, why is it important to know, you know, what, what happened? So is what happened today, we're, we're, we're faced with the ideas and motives of a culture that no longer puts value on marriage as a biblical guide. Okay? So we've become tolerant. So we do what we want rather than what the Word of God says. So this is the plan of the enemy. Okay? I'm going to break it down for you. And I got hit by it a lot, too, in my life. Okay? So the, the enemy is at work by encouraging intimacy before marriage. And then once you're married, he does his best to destroy it. I can guarantee you that. Before you're married, he wants, to, he wants you to be intimate with somebody. And then you get married and you're like, yes, now it should be better. And now he wants to keep you out of the bed. It's, it's, you know, you would, you would think that, man, what is going on? We have to understand that there is a plan of the enemy to destroy everything. To, to, to make us make decisions out of the natural process of what God wants. Now, I'm not saying that God can't redeem everything and He can't fix it and He can't heal and He can't restore. But there's a process that happens when we do things out of order. Generational curses sometimes where, hey, my parents got, got, married, got pregnant before they got married. Then, my, then I did it. Then my kids did it. And then my kids, like hypothetically, like that can happen. That the enemy uses that as a stronghold to destroy generation after generation after generation. 
You know, I know in my life there was a lot of things that I struggled with that I didn't understand why I was struggling with. And then I had a conversation with my dad one day and he told me, man, I struggle with the same things and I didn't know that. So I was kind of blindsided to the fact that, man, I didn't realize the reason I'm fighting this is because my father and my father's father probably dealt with this. But they didn't deal with it, so therefore I was hit by it. We have to understand that as, as, a, as a believer in Christ, we have the authority to cut it off at the head where my child doesn't have to deal with the same thing. And the areas that I've fallen short and I've done things out of order that he does it right. And that's my heart. But I have to be open. I have to be transparent. At some point, I got to talk with my son and say, listen, buddy, this is where your daddy, you know, because it's a it's a humiliating moment <laughs> where you have to say, son, I did a lot of stuff right. But let me tell you where the enemy punched me in the mouth. And I compromised and I settled and I pursued after things of the flesh, like all of these things. And if you're looking at me this morning, you're like I don't know what you're talking about. You're lying. There's something that you dealt with or went through, you know. But the thing is to see those root issues and deal with them. Don't just ignore them and pretend they're going to go away and, and don't do anything with them. It says those things that are exposed to the light can no longer hold you. But those things that are hidden in darkness will continue to destroy you. I'm going to make that statement one more time. So the enemy is at work by encouraging intimacy before marriage. And then once you're married... He does his best to destroy it. So the promise that we can hold to is this, that God has joined together, has joined us together as married couples. Right? And it says, let no man separate. So if we're going to recognize that it is God that joins the couple together, then we're going to need Father God to keep us joined together and to continue to hold us together because we're selfish. We're self-centered. You know, uh, please don't hear this the wrong way, uh, but... You know, a lot of people that I've seen go through divorce, the first thing that I usually hear is, well, she didn't do. It's always because I didn't get what I wanted out of that deal. It wasn't that, oh, I did this wrong and I did this wrong and I did this wrong. Usually when you see that response, you see the marriage make it. But when it's just focusing on the other person to change before you're satisfied, it almost always fails. Because it's out of a selfish root. Now, it's hard because, you know, in, in divorce, in broken marriages, in all these things, both couples have to be willing to commit to it. It'd be a rough day every single day of my life if I was fighting for my marriage and my wife didn't want to have anything to do with me. And ideally, that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is that we pursue each other and that we're in love with each other. But ultimately, that God holds, holds our marriages together because we can't do it on our own. So that means, God, what is in my heart that's not right? God, what's in my heart that you need to deal with? How can I love Becky unconditionally in a way that you love me? And I deal with myself. I don't get mad at her and say, why don't you change this or why don't you do this? Or if you loved me, you would do this, this and this. Come on, man. It was a choice to love. And once you get past the honeymoon, it, it better continually be a choice to stay married. Because it's no longer on feeling emotions or this googly eyes, butterflies in my stomach like, oh, just so great. You know, it, that, that, the, when you hear it all the time, it says when the honeymoon is over, you'll see what's left in that relationship. You'll see what's left. So marriage and companionship was God's plan from the very beginning. You know, God observed Adam early on in the Garden of Eden. 
And he said, it is not good for man to be alone. Genesis 2.18. And the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So Eve was created to be a helper for Adam. Okay, so we have to understand that, you know, God called the, the, the spouse or the wife to be a helpmate. So this is translated in the Hebrew as uh, Azer. So Azer is, is only used twice in the Old Testament in, rela in relation to women. Okay, so then the other, the, the other time, it's mentioned 19 other times, and this refers to God. So some of those passages are soul waits for the Lord. He is our helper or Ezer and shield. Come quickly to me, O God, for you are my help. That same thing, help, help mate. Azer. So Christ himself constantly submitted his life to the Father's will. How many women hate that word submitted? In all honesty, you're like, oh, it just kind of makes me cringe. I don't like that word, right? So Christ himself constantly submitted his life to the Father's will. So God used the words in relation to himself. So ladies, this morning, don't get caught up in feeling inferior because of the words like helper or submission. Don't miss what God wants to show you today. Okay? And this message isn't just for all the men today that we can walk away and say, yes, we got them. Okay? We're going to look at both sides to it. But you can get so turned off by one word that you shut down and you don't get anything and you don't hear anything that I'm saying this morning. Let's turn to Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. This is going to be our core passage. Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. So this really gives us a lot of guidance in regards to husbands and wives. Okay? So we'll start in verse 22. I'm sorry it starts with the wives, but the, the husbands will get it in a, the next passage. Okay? So wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, for which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to their husbands in everything. It's a strong word too, right? Husbands. All right, your turn, guys. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever, ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wives must respect her husband. Okay, so just as Jesus Christ loved the church, his bride, man, you should reflect that same kind of love for your spouse. You guys got that? The same type of love. So what does that mean? That means even unto death. He gave up his life for her. Okay? And ladies, beautiful brides, you truly must respect your husbands. Okay? 
So the two things that we have here is that respect is one of the greatest needs of a man and love is one of the greatest needs of a woman. You say, hey man, how do, how, do I, how, do I, how do I increase our relationship in my marriage? Wives, respect your husband. Husbands, love your wife. Well, what does that look like? I don't know what it looks like for you, buddy, but figure it out. That means don't be self-seeking. Don't be selfish. Don't be arrogant. Listen to your wife. Love her. Don't be harsh. Don't be short-tempered. Okay? Respect. Wives, what does that mean? Even when you don't necessarily agree. You know, because I've, I, you know, it happens where it's like, I told you, you know, you know, you, you get that, I, you know, and just that, that true submission to even when us as men make stupid decisions, it happens. Okay? Just say, all right, honey, whatever you say. And then when we fall miserably, don't say, see, I told you so. <laughs> Should listen to me. Because we got to understand that, you know, when the curse happened, everything changed. Okay? Everything changed. So God's ultimate goal is for the husband, for a husband and wife to reflect the love of God unconditionally towards each other. We ought to function in a way that glorifies Him. So, so a faithful family begins with parents who are seeking to align their lives to God's blueprint in the Bible in regards to marriage. So if we desire to raise our children in a biblical way, we must, we must make sure that our lives support a biblical model. You know, uh, I had an opportunity a while back to dedicate a baby. And I got with them and, you know, talked to them before we came out here. They weren't married. So I'm still going to dedicate that baby on the baby's behalf. But I was obligated as a pastor to say, so I understand that you want to raise this baby in a Christian model, right? So I couldn't shrink back at that point. I asked them point blank, are y'all married? They got real nervous. <laughs> Sitting in there, ain't nobody, you know, and, and the mom's right there in the corner like, yeah, give it to him, pastor, because she's probably <laughs> enforcing the same thing. But I just said, listen, if you're going to raise your children in a biblical model, According to the Bible, you got to do it like it says in the Word. Now, there are times where you, you, young ladies get pregnant and maybe you're not supposed to marry that person. Because I've seen that also where we're so quick to cover up a mistake by marriage and God never intended those two to be married and it's hell on earth for the next who knows who long and then it ends in divorce. But that's consequence for choice. You know, I know that, you know, that was always the quick fix. Hey, just y'all get married real quick. Maybe nobody will do the math and then y'all will be married. You'll have a baby real quick and it'll all look good on paper. But the heart behind that is what? Covering up sin rather than exposing it. But as a church, I don't want to necessarily just point fingers and say, oh, you sinner. Because what did Jesus did? He called out the lady's sin, but he wasn't bothered by it. It wasn't like he was just like... Okay, he said, go, after, after everything was done, he says, okay, now go and sin no more. And then he, she goes back to the village, the town, and says, hey, come, come listen to this prophet that told me everything I had ever done. And I believe at that moment, there was a transformation in that lady's heart. Whatever the deception and the, and the de deceiving spirit that was in her had left. God had addressed the sin he didn't hold her accountable to it, but I believe at that moment when he said, go and sin no more, she had the power to walk in that and no longer go back to that lifestyle that she had. Five husbands. Well, the way God saw it, six. It says you've had five, but the one that you have even now is not your own. 
So how was he seeing that? that was, there, there was some sexual intimacy going on there. God saw it as one. And he called, that, he called him your husband. Because what God puts together, let no man separate. Okay? So God calls us to be united as husbands and wives. United. So, you know, some of these things that we're going to focus on in these next few series is, you know, when we're united, we have to be united in marriage and as a couple. But also some of the consistent things that we need to be united in is, is our parenting style. It needs to be consistent. You know, I've seen, I've seen parents kind of disciplining in two different camps. One is rod and discipline, and the other one is grace and forgiveness, and you can do no wrong. We have to get in the middle to where there's consistent balance, and we got to make sure that if... We've got to be on the same, same page. And one thing I've learned as my kids get older and a little bit smarter and a little bit more strategic, <laughs> hey, Dad, can I do blah, 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 blah? Well, what would your mom say? Oh, well, she said no. Well, then no. Why are you asking me? And then they get nervous because they know they were trying to get me. Me in trouble, too. Because <laughs> my wife had already given them an instruction. So we've got to be very, very consistent in our, in our parenting styles. Our spending habits, that's going to be something else we look at. How do we spend our money? You know, if I, if I spend my money one way and my wife thinks we should be spending money another way, man, finances is going to be a huge deal. I'm going to be super frustrated. So parenting style, we'll look at that a little bit next week. We're going to look at uh, spending habits, and we're going to look at uh, just living life together. So when I talk about unity, those are the focus points that I'm talking about. Okay. So when we talk about what, what, what God puts together, let no man separate. So what you have is you have a husband or you have a wife. Independently by themselves. That make up the part of who they are. So un under sexual intimacy, when that happens, because that's when, that's when we said God sees it as one, Right? Sexual intimacy is when God sees it as one, but in marriage is when the world sees it as one. All that really matters is what God sees and that we honor that. So this, this, this kind of represents the husband or the wife independently by themselves. And then once we, we combine the two, and this is God's ultimate model. So we have the one combining with the other one. And then is what happens is God begins to unite it and meshes it together to where the two becomes one, and you can never separate the one from the other anymore. It has become one union. I mean, you could maybe get a microscope and say, okay, there's some salt on that side. There's sand, I think, on this. This is what it looks like in God's eyes. What God joins together, because the ultimate intent is for it to never be separated. Okay? What God puts together, let no man separate. So we have to be reminded that, that normally, uh, you know, marriage is a covenant, not a contract. It's a choice. It's something that we have to decide. So those grains will never be completely separated again. They're fe almost fused together. The two flesh become one. So we have to also know that divorce has never been part of God's plan. I know we live in a culture where that's an easy out. Well, if I'm not happy, if it's not okay, if I'm not getting everything I want in this relationship, I can get a divorce. And it's become more commonplace. But what does the Bible say is the only exit for a divorce? Okay? 
It, and it says right here, it says, it was, you know, divorce has never been God's plan. It says, it was because the hardness of their hearts that there was an exception made by Moses. So you're telling me it was conditional based on the individuals not softening their heart, not humbling themselves. It was because the hardness of their heart that there was an exception made. You know, and the Bible goes on to say that, and at the beginning it was not so. It didn't used to be like that. That wasn't God's ultimate plan. But we've, we've come to a place of compromise of saying, well, what about me? But that's selfish motive. What about me? What if I'm not happy? Well, you should have thought about that before you said, I do. I don't know. Just think about it. You know, we get to that place and man, if you haven't been there, praise God, but you better hunger down because it's going to happen to where you are not completely satisfied and your spouse falls short of your expectation. It's going to happen. So if, you've, if, you, if you recite traditional marriage vows at your wedding, then before God and witnesses, you made a, a commitment that sounded something like this, for better or for worse. Some Y'all ever had better days? Yeah? You've had worse days? Okay? If not, man, I need to tell you what's going to happen. Better or for worse? Sickness and in health. That ever happened? Tell you a story about our honeymoon. My wife got sick on her honeymoon. Oysters or clams or what'd you eat? Oh, I got that lesson real quick. Would I hold her hair back and let her vomit and love her in sickness and in health three days after our marriage? Absolutely. I had a, you know, it's, it's fun. We like, she, I think she was more embarrassed than me. I was like, just throw up, no big deal. No, I've always done a little bit better with vomit than she has. She just gives me a cup of water, a rag, and says, all right, if you need me, call for me, and leaves me. If I start hollering for her, she knows it's bad. <laughs> give, give me a wet rag, or you know, whatever, but man, she, I can't be in here. I love you, but uh, holler, I'll be in the other room. Sickness and in health, it's going to happen, okay? For rich or for poor, God willing, as we live this life, we become more and more prosperous. But there are hills and valleys of finance life. Things that fall through or, you know, catastrophic financial events that come up. For rich or for poor. And then that final statement that most of us close with, till death do us part. Okay? These are choices. This is a commitment that you make. And this is a choice that you have to uphold every single day. So combining as one in marriage is a choice. It's not a feeling. So after the honeymoon ends, we have to make a choice to pursue one another. So we want to see, we want to see you married couples and young singles honor God in every step of your life, in every step of that process. Okay? Just because you're not married right now doesn't mean that you won't be married one day. Make sure you realize the significance of it. You know, to those who are single this morning, guard your heart. Okay, I gave a lot of my heart away before I married my wife. And God restored it and redeemed it and he forgave it. But I gave away things that was supposed to be my wife's. But I was stupid and foolish and immature and young and dumb, right? Those choices that we make have consequences. Okay, so guard your heart. That doesn't mean, and that, that, that means protecting it. Just don't give it to anyone. Okay? Don't, don't set your focus on a man or a woman 
and take your eyes off of God. God wants you to save it for the one that He's joined you together with forever. And if your eyes are on God, then you'll know when He's telling you, this is your beloved. This is the one that I have for you. Because if you join together with somebody who's not your spouse, only God can separate what was unified and hopefully get enough of it intact that you're a blessing to your spouse. Because you can give a lot of yourself away and not even realize it. It's not something to take lightly. Okay? Broken relationships create broken people in need of healing. And vice versa. Broken people also, also make broken relationships. If you're hurt, your ultimate goal is to hurt others. I want to make sure that, that uh, we, don't, we don't get into relationships and give so much of ourselves that we come out broken. So don't expect your spouse to meet all your needs. That's impossible. You've got to look to God to meet all of your needs. He may use your spouse or he may even use the opportunity for you to, to learn and to lean on him. You know, I know that if you, if you try to find all of the needs that God intends to meet through your spouse, your spouse will always fall short and that's not fair to them. But we got to also understand that's not how God designed it for all of your needs to be met by a person. Now, there are a lot of needs that get met, but there's the ones that were set apart for your spouse to meet. And there's certain things that were set apart for God only to meet. God desires us as a couple to be united on every front. That passage, 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked. It says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? So when we take that concept into the, the marriage realm, if we marry somebody who does not have the same religious beliefs than us, it's going to be a challenge. Now, I've seen God work miraculous miracles through relationships, and all of a sudden the spouse gets saved and wasn't originally. And, but what it's talking about, you know, man, if you are unequally yoked, there is going to be a challenge. God, God's ultimate plan is, is that two people get married together who are, who are striving with all of their heart to pursue after Him, and then they just join together, and it's this beautiful masterpiece of God's ultimate plan being accomplished here in the earth. But when one loves God with all their heart and one despises and rejects God with all their heart and then you mesh those two together, man, it's going to be very difficult to have the same, opinion, uh, the same opinions, to have the same parenting styles, to have the same goals financially. You have to understand that dictates everything. That the spouses are unified as a family unit. So as a married couple, we're forsaking our independence and uniting with our spouse. Ultimately, your life is no longer your own, but you are willfully laying it down for the other. So this is the pinnacle of true love towards others. This passage from John 8, 4 through 11. I'm sure most of you have heard the, uh, the story, but it, it's the story about the woman caught in adultery. So 
I don't know how it happened or what happened, but they caught this woman who was in adultery and they brought her before Jesus and they said, look, look what this, this lady did. And Jesus' response was what? He says, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. So he kind of sits around and I, I mean, I don't know if anybody's like, better drop my rock because I have sin in my life just like she does. But it says that he wrote in the sand with his finger and, you know, not sure what exactly he was saying. I think he's just piddling around waiting for everybody to say, okay, you done yet? And then he, he told the woman, he said, look up. Where are your accusers? He says, they're no, they're no, they're no longer here. Okay? And he, he says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And then what is his reply? Same thing. It says, no one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, now leave your life of sin. So he didn't say that, oh, no, no, it didn't happen. No, it happened. Jesus wasn't nullifying it and saying that it didn't happen. It did happen, but he wasn't putting so much judgment on her. He was willing to forgive. And he says the same thing. He says, but now go and sin no more. Leave this life of sin. Understand the mistakes that were made and move on. And that's the kind of God we serve. He's a God that quickly forgives and he mends the brokenhearted and he heals up those who are just broken. He's a miracle working God. So we have to know God's standard. Jesus didn't just dismiss her sin, but he didn't hate her for it either. You have to understand that God loves people. He hates sin. But what do we do? We connect sin with the person. And we say, because you do this, this must be who you are. But we have to understand that the root of sin is death, and really the person behind sin is the enemy. Now, sometimes we willfully make those choices to, to choose sin or to step into sin or get close around sin where it burns us. Right? But we have to see sin as God sees it and be willing to forgive and forget and to release people also, I'll read Jesus' last words to the accused woman one more time. It says, go, and from now on, sin no more. So you may say, man, are you, are you telling that to me? Absolutely. It doesn't matter what you've done up to this point. You can't change the past. All you can do is redeem the future. So what you decide to do right now will dictate what your future looks like. You can make this choice, say, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Now, there may be some things, you know, in order for you and your spouse to walk in unity, there may be a, uh, a hard conversation. But if you're going to have one of those conversations, please pray first and allow God to be a part of it. And just remember, love and respect. Because the whole ultimate reason that we even share anything or disclose things that we're going to to our spouse is because we want, we want unity. We want oneness. And hidden sins or agendas or motives, all of those things separate what God is wanting to put together. It forms a wedge between the couple. Okay? Go. And from now on, sin no more. So these words are not just for those who are... Uh, taking part in improper relationships. This is for everybody. So when we've been confronted by God's standard, Jesus Christ, in any area, we ought to go from now on and sin no more.
is something we have to implement. It's a choice that we have to make. And by the grace of God, we can. Just because you've dealt with something for so long doesn't mean that it can't be removed today. But you've got to allow the power of God to work for you rather than your own strength. Because if it was within our own strength, we would have just saved ourselves. And we would have had no need for a Savior. But God's ultimate plan was come to redeem and restore and to heal anything. And He's faithful. I'll give you quick three, three keys to reunite your marriage. If you're not doing these, these will drastically change everything. The first thing, pray together. And I've been trying to be so intentional with my wife with that. I get so busy. It's like, hey, uh, I think we should pray together. She's like, yeah, it'd probably be a good idea. Okay, well, let's try to do that. I'm running this way. She's running that way. Pray together. It'll unite you guys spiritually. And it'll, it'll closely knit you guys together. So pray together. The second thing, read the Word together. Read it together. Read it and say, hey, man, what do you think this is saying? As a couple... And then this is another big one. Make life-changing decisions together. These three things. I'm not asking you to do a whole bunch of things. These three things. Pray together, read the Word of God together, make life-changing decisions together. So if we look at a consistent strand here, what is it? Together is the key word. Together. Okay? Our overarching purpose in life as individuals is to glorify God. So it is only fitting that our marriages would also bring honor to God and that we would enjoy living with the blessings that overflow in doing life together. But if our marriages can't be modeled with that of Christ, it's going to be hard for us to raise children in the model of Christ. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.